were talking months ago, uh, we were having a meeting over at the Reikley's house, and Amanda came up with this great idea. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought of this as like the planning with purpose retreats that we had done, kind of the day retreats. I kind of wanted to like make like an all-church family retreat slash planning with purpose, you know, giving you time to think about this next year. And she had this great idea. She's like, can't we just go back to Ephesians that we've been studying all fall and tie that in somehow? And she came up with the idea to tie in Ephesians. Um, oh, I got off the Ephesians. There it is. Ephesians um, 5, where it says. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise making the most of your time because the days are evil. And so she, she thought, man, what if we just did a theme for this weekend of being careful how we walk, being con- considering how we walk so that we can make the most of our time. Obviously, God has to work through us, but we can be most efficient, if you can use that term, spiritually speaking, for God's purposes in this next year. And so I thought that was a great idea. So that was kind of our theme verse for the retreat. And, and today with this sermon, I just kind of want to contextualize that. I kind of want to put some, some uh, 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 well, just some context that Paul includes in his letter to the Ephesians around that idea. So that's what we're going to do today. And as I was thinking about that, um, how we walk and walking in the ways of God, I feel like I'm in an echo chamber. Is this, am I too close to that? Um, as I was thinking about this idea of walking, you know, Ephesians is laid out with this idea of walking. It's a progression. It's walking in the Christian life. And that's just another way of saying living out the Christ life, the walk we have with Christ. And so you walk, 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 walk like this, don't walk like this, and then you get to the end, and what is it in Ephesians 6? Stand. Stand firm. Stand firm in the day of evil. So walk, 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 don't walk like this, walk like this, and then when it comes time, you just stand. And sometimes that's all you can do. And sometimes that's all God's asking you to do. But when we talk about our walk, it immediately made me think about this old billboard chart topper from the mid-80s from this really popular band that I listened to. All of my first tape singles from like, was it like B Goodies? What was that store in the mall where you go buy your tape singles? Sam Goodies, that's it, yeah. I still have a gift card from Sam Goodies, by the way. It's not good anymore, I don't think. Um, but anyway, it's this famous band, and, and I used to sing their songs all the time. And this one song in particular, and I even heard it like just a couple days ago, um, on, playing on the radio. I never really thought about the lyrics, but the more I kind of dug into it, because I was going to use it as a sermon illustration, but as I was reading the lyrics, I was so shocked by the filthiness of the lyrics that I would be embarrassed it would be a a faux pas pastoral faux pas for me to even insinuate to you that you should go out and listen to the song it was so filthy and yet it hit like the top five on the billboard 100 in the mid 80s okay uh and so without really talking about the, the 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 band and the specific lyrics when i went back and read it it was interesting because it was basically telling every kid like me in america and all over the world to live our lives a certain way. And in the context of the song, it is a father taking his ignorant son who is on the verge of young manhood, young adulthood, and teaching him how to to progress, how to live in the ways of the world 
And again, it's just total rot. But, but as I was thinking about it, I was like, there's no reason why. So it's, it's almost the assumption behind the song lyrics that we all sing without thinking about what we're singing. The assumption is that our identity is a worldly identity first and foremost. That essentially we are people of this world and therefore we ought to walk through this life in worldly ways. And so there was discipleship happening in the song as his dad comes alongside him and says, hey, again, he doesn't even say it. He just assumes you're worldly. We need to build you up in your worldliness. So here's how to be worldly and be successful at it. And then the kid goes on to be wildly successful at living a worldly life. And I think what what that made me think about in the context of Ephesians and Paul is is that we are so ready to embrace a worldly identity. Now that can look a lot of different ways, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Making the purpose of our life, the meaning of our life, the greatest priorities and values in our life, worldly things that aren't Jesus Christ our Lord. And we're so ready to just just assume that that's who we are because we're in the world, so why wouldn't we be of the world? And so we easily take on a worldly identity Here's the problem with Christianity, and I became a Christian in my 20s as an adult, but with Christianity, we have a hard time assuming our identity in Christ. What happens is we assume our worldly identity, and then we look at all these Christian behaviors and practices and admonitions and commandments, and we we see them as this sort of external set of rules and regulations of do's and do nots, of thou shalt and thou shalt nots. And then it becomes all about behavior modification and conforming ourselves through what we do to prove what we are or who we are. And that comes natural to us, folks, because we're fallen. But if there's anything my pastoral heart wants for all of you, and for myself and my family included, is that you would begin to live in and of that Christian identity of who you are in Christ, of who you are as a result of the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. And then see the actions that you take that are Christ-like and righteous and wise and everything else as simply the fruit born out of abiding in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, and that's, that's, that's going to flip things for us. Because now it's not about what we do. Now it's about who we are. Yes, who we're becoming as God works out who we are in our everyday lives and manifests that. But who we actually are today, ever since we bowed the knee to Christ. As righteous, as holy, as adopted sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And man, guys, if we can understand that, if we can get that through our thick hearts and our thick heads, and I'm right there with you, that's going to flip this whole thing around, okay? And then all of a sudden, when we read Ephesians, and we see these long lists of don't, don't be greedy, don't be immoral, don't be covetous, don't do this, no, 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 do this, be wise, make the most of this thing, sing a, a psalm to that person, do this. Instead of seeing all that as like, oh man, more stuff I gotta do, more behaviors I have to somehow acculturate to, or modify myself to conform to, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, that's just the fruit of, of a life in Christ, and if I'm not seeing that, 
then there's something there. There's some sin struggle, some idol, something that's blocking that fruitfulness, spiritual, spiritual fruitfulness in my life. And then we can go to work on that in our discipleship groups, in our Christian community, and in our marriages and families and everything else. But guys, we've got to flip it around. We've got to flip it around and say, first and foremost, if I've trusted in Jesus, whether that was when you're four at camp or 40 or 84 or whenever it was, that's who you are today. And yes, that should manifest itself in certain ways, but it keeps you from saying, I'm not a Christian until I do all this stuff and acculturate and modify my behavior in all these different ways. That's basically what we're going to talk about today. So we are going to walk God's way because we are God's people. We are going to live out Christian lives because we are in and of Christ. We are God's people. And Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 is kind of a, it's got a sister, uh, uh, kind of a related passage in a sister book of Colossians. And this is actually the theme for our um, trail life for our boys and dads. But it's walk worthy. And that's from Colossians. But there's, there's a similar verse in Ephesians, and I'll read it to you. It's Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, and it says this. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, when I read that, a lot of times, this goes back to what I was saying earlier, our tendency is to go, okay, i got to be more loving, and i got to be more uh, uh, united with others, and i got to get along with people better, and i got to do this stuff. But do you see the problem with that? That's not what he's saying. He's saying you have been called. You have a calling from God. Guys, when you hear that word calling in terms of God putting a call on your life, I want you to think about two different aspects of that. I want you to think about relationship and I want you to think about identity. This means if you have a calling on your life, it means that God has chosen you. Before He even created you, He chose you and said, I want that one. And then through your faith in Jesus Christ, by God's grace being worked out in your life, you became a Christian and you were called to this wonderful calling of living out the Christ life, being a member in the body of Christ, okay? And that has a lot of implications all throughout Ephesians. But calling is all about relationship and identity. And our identity as Christians and our relationship with God through Christ are inseparable. They're inextricably linked. And so we walk God's way, we walk in a manner worthy of our calling because we are called. Because we are the called. That is who we are. That is our identity. And that is the relationship we have with God. So I want to look at three different specific verses coming out of this in chapter 5 that talk about our walk. And again, chapters 4 and 5 and 6 are chock full of opportunities for Christians to go, another list of stuff I'm not supposed to do. Another list of stuff I'm supposed to do. It's like you're like writing down on a notebook all the stuff you're supposed to do to be a Christian, right? That's the wrong way to think about this. So let's contextualize these three passages that talk about our walk with the Lord. We're going to talk about walking in love. 
we're going to be talking about walking in light, and we're going to be talking about walking in wisdom. And this is the perfect thing to be talking about going into a new year, going into 2023 as a church family. So the first thing I want to talk about is in Ephesians 5, 1 through 5. It's that we walk in love because God loved us and loves us and will continue to love us. So let me read that. Ephesians 5, 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And then it goes into verse 3. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. That's the word for holy ones. Okay? And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting. This convicts me every time. Which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. In other words, instead of using our words for just filthiness or coarse jesting or silliness or whatever else, use your God-given breath in your lungs for giving thanks to God. Doing something of eternal value. And then he says... For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. He's saying that people who are inherently at the deepest level defined by their sin and their false gods and their their unwillingness to relinquish this world and worldly things... Those people have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And that's true. And that's what it means to be eternally separated from God, is to be left out of the kingdom. And again, it gets, it's about identity and it's about relationship. So I just want to, let's break those first five verses down. So what is he telling us to do? You're list makers. He says, imitate God. He says no immorality, no impurity, no greed, no filthiness, no silly talk, no coarse jesting, no coveting, no idolatry. He's saying that's not good for us, God's holy ones. And that's the what. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what Christ's life looked like when he was walking around this world before he ascended into heaven. And so, yes, that is what our lives, both individually and corporately, ought to look like. But let's just stop for a second before we charge off into the list of what we're supposed to do. And I want you to think about why we're supposed to do it and go right to that very context that I just read. Why are we supposed to not have impurity and greed and lust and filthy talk and all these different things? It's because you are, you are beloved and you are a beloved child of God. Did you hear that? Be imitators of God as beloved children. He's laid a claim on you as his beloved child. And he says that the way he claimed you was by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why he talks about the fragrant offering and sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf as an act of worship to God to save us. And as a result of God loving us 
and God loving us so much he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for us, guess what? Through faith in him, we get to be inheritors in the kingdom of God in Christ. That means that when we die, we go to be with Christ in heaven, in the heavenly kingdom of God. And that means that when Jesus Christ comes back to earth to establish uh, the, 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 the fulfillment of the promise that we see all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures of a kingdom on this earth with Christ reigning from the throne of David, that we get to be a part of that kingdom by God's grace through faith in Christ. And so it's because of that identity, it's because of that relationship we have with God that it doesn't make sense that we would want to be immoral or filthy or any of these other things, greedy or anything else. Why would you be greedy if you're inheriting the kingdom of God? doesn't make any sense. All right, so that's we walk in love because God loves us. Now we walk in light because God illuminates us. So let's look at uh, Ephesians 5, 6 through 14. If you've got your Bibles or if they're on your phone, you can read it with me. Ephesians 5, 6 through 14. It says this. I need glasses. It's too dark up here for my, my sad little eyes. So it says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Get that? You know you're being deceived every day just like I am. Every commercial that comes on tries to deceive us of something. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things. That's the idolatry. That's all the other stuff, the impurity, the covetousness. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience, not the children beloved of God, but the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, the sons of disobedience, for you were formerly darkness. No, no bones about that. We were all formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Did you get that? We, we're making the list. Wait, I got to be good. I got to be righteous. I got to be a true. I got to know what truth is. I got to learn more. I got to do this. I got to stop doing that. But listen to what he says. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So instead of being a son of disobedience, that is disobedience to the Lord, now you're trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And he goes on to say, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. He's saying it's disgraceful to even talk about this stuff. Reminds me of that song from the mid-80s. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. That's why people that love the darkness hate the light, because it exposes them. For everything that becomes visible is light. And then he has this quote. He says, for this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That means wake up out of this darkness, out of this night. Wake up out of this spiritual death and arise to new life in Christ and let, let the Lord shine on you. And I, I love that so much. But, but again, going back to the list, what is he telling us to do? He's saying that we're supposed to please the Lord. Oh, there's another person i got to please. 
my kids, my spouse, my boss. Now I got to please the Lord. Don't be deceived. Oh, now I got to figure out who's trying to deceive me. Don't be disobedient. Don't be darkened in your thoughts and ways. And then positively bear the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Do you already feel overwhelmed? Oh, how am I ever going to modify my behavior and my character so that I can do that? All righteousness, all goodness, right? Expose deeds of darkness. So now I got to go around exposing my own sin and sin around me and other people's lives. And I got to be that guy, really. And that's how we think about it. But guys, why is he saying we are to do these things? Well, look in the context. It's because you and I, as followers of Christ, are, are children of light. It's because the Lord has awakened us from spiritual death and has shined upon us, has wrapped us, has enwrapped us in His robes of righteousness. I realize you feel like a dirtbag half the day. Right? I do too, because we're wrestling with sin and we're wrestling with this old fleshy man, fallen nature, whatever you want to call it, okay? But that's not who you are. Who you are is righteous and holy and perfect in the eyes of God because you're wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus Christ your Lord who took your unrighteousness on Himself and died for it and put it away so that you could be wrapped in His righteousness. He took your pathetic and my pathetic record of righteousness really our long tally of unrighteousness and he took that upon himself and gave us his perfect record to live in to walk in to be seen as and therefore we are holy and therefore we are so holy in fact that god's holy spirit who is god himself comes to live inside our holy selves that's that's who we are and when it says that the lord shines on you Guys, it's like the moon. Does the moon have any inherent light to it? It's just a big rock floating around our planet. Why does the... Did you walk outside last night? I'm not talking about the stars. That ruins my analogy. The moon. (laughs) The moon doesn't have nuclear fusion or fission or fusion. I know we've got some smart people in here. The moon doesn't have that. It's just a rock. It's just up there. And by the grace of our sun, the center of our solar system, it is, a, it is illuminated so brightly every night that I didn't fall on my face on those big logs out there at the hill when I was walking up here to do something late last night. It was brilliant. It was radiant. And that wasn't even a full moon last night. That was like a, a waxing gibbous or something, okay? Any, any like lunar nerds out there know what that was? I don't know. I, It was a waning gibbous. I'm sorry. You know, waxing crescents, waning gibbouses. I'm just a humble pastor. I don't know these things. Uh, I didn't pay attention to that class, but you should. Um, But yeah, it's, it's like the moon. It's like we are like the moon in that we don't have inherent righteousness to lay before the throne of God and say, now that we've proven how righteous we are, can we be in a relationship with you, our holy and perfect and perfectly righteous and just God? Well, of course not. We come with our deficits. We come with our deficiencies. We come with our brokenness, our contrition of heart, and beg for God's grace. And God, in His good grace and love and mercy towards us, extends grace towards us. And then Jesus Christ lights us up with His character, His life. The Holy Spirit in us starts working the life of Christ in us and and working it out through us to produce spiritual fruit. 
His truth shines upon us and beams out of us, reflecting off of us. The glory of God, not your glory, not my glory, but the glory of God is reflected off you and especially is reflected off us as the corporate body of Christ. We are the physical manifestation, representation of Jesus Christ on this earth today. That's you and me. We're the feet, we're the hands, we're the voice, we're the beating heart. And He shines on us. And so we get to be shining in the dark places, including righteousness and truth and everything else. And that's the spiritual fruit. That's what He's working out in your life. But don't look at your life and go, I'm not doing all this stuff, so I'm not yet that thing. I'm not yet at that place in my relationship with God. God doesn't quite know what to do with me yet. He's still unsure if He should have even saved me in the first place. Okay? That's not it. You are perfect and you are perfectly righteous because of the personal work of Jesus Christ. And now we get to let that stuff be born out of us and reflect off of us into the world around us. And that's a beautiful thing. Third, so we walk in love because God loves us. We walk in light because God illuminates us. And thirdly, we walk in wisdom because God is working through us. We, work in, we walk in wisdom because God works through us. Let me read this. Ephesians 5, 15-21. He says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. And here comes Satan. Here comes our sinful flesh. Burden. Oh no, I'm wasting time watching Netflix every night. Oh, I'm going to feel so burdened and bad about myself and beat myself up. And I'm just a second rate Christian. I'm, you know, we do this, right? Satan comes at us in these ways too. But listen to what he's saying. He says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. Don't spend your time sitting around getting drunk, being controlled by wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. He's making a contrast between being controlled by wine or being out of control by wine or being controlled by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God. And then he goes on. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. It's worship. It's love expressed to others in the body of Christ. It's encouragement. It's edification and building up other Christians. And all of that in the context of worshiping God. And then he says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And then he goes into husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and slaves, uh, and then goes on into six. But I want to go back and look. What is the what? What is the thing we all hear and think, oh, here's all the stuff I got to do. Here's all the stuff I got to stop doing. He says, do the Lord's will. He says, be subject to one another. He says, be careful. He says, don't be foolish. He says, don't spend your time getting drunk. He says, make the most of your time. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He talks about speaking and singing and psalms and spiritual songs and giving thanks to God. And if you just see that as, oh, so this is what I'm supposed to do to be a Christian, right? That's overwhelming. Because we know inherently that we can't do all those things. In fact, we don't even want to do all those things in our flesh. But why, why are we to walk that way? 
It's because we are under the authority of Christ. That's about the Lord's will. It talks about it's because not only are we under the authority of Christ as His people, as His servants, as His representatives, but it's also that He gives us His Holy Spirit to empower us to live in obedience to Him. He gives us the Holy Spirit. That's why He talks about being filled with the Spirit. Because He's, he, he's, he's already given us the Holy Spirit who has the power for us to live this out. And it's because we are under the authority of Christ and we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit and ought to be filled by the Holy Spirit because why? Because listen, listen to this crazy thing that your Bible's teaching you. You know why? You know why He fills you with His Spirit? You know why He tells you to do these things? It's because of all the ways God could have done this thing. Of all the ways God could have gotten this good message of, of grace and mercy and forgiveness in Jesus Christ out to the, to the ends of the earth. Of all the ways He could have done this. Of all the ways He could have manifested His glory in stupendous, jaw-dropping ways throughout the universe and certainly on this earth. You know what He chose to do? He chose you and I to represent Him and to be His workers and to be His representatives and to be His people and to be the, the physical manifestation of the life and love of Jesus Christ to people on this earth. He chose our mouths as... I feel like Moses. Like I can't speak God. He chose our mouths, our intellects, our relationships, our gifts, our capacities, our strengths, our weaknesses, our everything else, both individually and corporately, to do His will, to accomplish His purposes. He could have sent angels to do it all. He could have done it all Himself. It could have just been the Holy Spirit saying, step aside and watch this. No, He chose us. And that's why, because of the relationship that He has chosen us to have with Him, because of our identity as His workmen and women, as His representatives, it's because of that that we get to do all these things and see all these different aspects of Christ-likeness born out of our life as spiritual fruit. And that's a beautiful thing. So, we walk in love because God loves us. We walk in light because God illuminates us. Folks, we walk in wisdom. We want to live wise lives, not so everyone go, man, that guy's pretty wise, but so that we can accomplish God's purposes in God's power in whatever amount of time we have left in this life on this earth. It's all about relationship and identity, and everything flows out of that. So, you're going to get like 45 minutes, either if you have a spouse and you choose to do it with them, or if you're just going out there and you want to get some alone time, you have 45 minutes to think about the what. You have 45 minutes to just consider this next year, this afternoon, and just go, okay, walking in wisdom, walking in light, walking in love, what does that look like? What is God trying to uh, teach me? How is God growing me in these ways? Okay? But don't jump into that list of things and forget, don't loosen up on your grip on the gospel and on the identity of who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you and us. And then move forward and think about this next year and how God might want to bear that fruit through you, okay? So I'm going um, to conclude, and I just think heading into 2023, I'm just going to re reemphasize what we've talked about. And just listen to me and just let these words kind of just sit on you, saturate Okay, draw a bath and just get into it and just let it seep in, okay? Heading into 2023, 
And I'm going to speak in plain terms. We will love each other. We will love each other, folks, sacrificially, unselfishly. And why will we do that this year? It's because that's how God loves you. And that's how God loves me. Why are we going to forgive people that cut us deep? Because God forgave us in Christ. Why are we going to be willing to extend forgiveness and let love cover a multitude of sins? Because God covered up a multitude of our sins with His grace and mercy by the blood of Christ. Why are we going to love one another unselfishly? I don't care if that's in our families or just in the church. It's because God loves us like that and He's never going to stop. That's what's going to sustain us in our love for one another. So we will love each other sacrificially because that's how God loves us. Folks, this year, 2023, we will shine brightly because the light is with us and in us. We will not shine brightly because you go try to find some new batteries because you think you've got to be your own source of illumination. You've got to come up with your own truth and, and wise wisdom and, and you've got to come up with something for people to have hope in. You don't need to come up with anything. All you need to do is let the truth of God come out of you and reflect off of you to let the righteousness of Christ be manifested in and through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I will shine brightly this year individually as families and as a church family because the light is already in us and it's already coming through us. We are just the clay pots with all the holes. And we will walk wisely and carefully this year because the Lord is working through us and we are going to see the Lord do some incredible things this year. I promise you. If we can just get this one thing right, if we can just hold tightly to the Gospel and stop assessing our identity and our relationship with God by what we've done or haven't done or think we're going to do or want to do or don't want to do or anything else, if we could just grab tight to the truth of the gospel that while you were yet a sinner, God sent His one and only Son, Christ, to die for you on a cross, to put away those sins, to reconcile you to Himself. And yes, you're going to screw up and yes, you're going to yell at your kids and wonder why you don't have more patience and wonder why you keep going back to that sin struggle and when addiction rears its ugly face and you know we're going to get in fights as couples and as friends and somebody's going to say something that upsets you at church and sounds underhanded or whatever else i don't know everything that's going to happen this year but i'll tell you this that the lord jesus christ is going to work in and through wayside communities church because we're going to hold tightly to the gospel we're going to hold tightly to christ and you know what? Do you know what communion is? Communion is a time to get a better grip. Communion is a time to turn back to Christ and just re-grip Him with everything you've got. Communion is a time not for you to go, oh, I've done so great this last week that I deserve to come up and take communion. No. Communion is a time to repent of whatever sin you've got going on. Yes, you need to do whatever business you've got to do with God. Confess it, repent of it, know that Jesus died for it and it's put away, it's done with, and you're forgiven. But then come up here and take communion as an act of worship 
as an act of faith, as, as a physical symbolic reminder that you're grabbing hold of Christ and nothing else. And that you know who you are in Christ and who He is in you and who He is in us. And then we're going to live however He wants us to live out of that. Okay? So we're going to take communion right now. I encourage you to, um, like I said, take a moment and pray. And listen, if you're crossways with somebody, another Christian, if they're here today, just go tell them you're sorry. And you know, that may take a longer conversation, and that's fine. You may not have time for that today. I mean, sometimes I've even not taken communion so that I could connect with that brother in Christ I was at odds with and just forgive and, and, and say I'm sorry and work it out and, and reconcile. And then we went and took communion together for God's glory, which was awesome. So if you need to do that, I get it. But don't not come up here because you think you're such a dirtbag because you haven't done enough Christian stuff to prove how holy and righteous you are so that you could come up and take communion. Sit there and just thank God for His grace and mercy. Thank God that He loves you that much. That even before you took a step in His direction, when you were charging headlong the other direction, He tackled you and got you and brought you to Himself. Thank God that He loves you that much. And then let's take communion together. Um, we'll have the elements. I'm going to go get them. And then as you feel led, come on up, okay?